Greetings in Jesus' name to each one here this morning. The one who showed us the way to a godly life is a way of giving up our ways for the will of the Father. It was interesting to note that it's already been well brought to our attention that cross-bearing is the only way to make it to heaven. I hope you enjoy that. I don't think God expects his ways to be drudgery and hard, even though they are challenging. At least they are to me. And uh, so I'm just glad that we can meet as a brotherhood here together to encourage and exhort each other to keep up the faith, keep up the good work. And so the Lord has laid a message on my heart that uh, it's a challenge to me. I'll just put it that way. And, and you know, because as you think about spiritual disciplines, <clears throat> How you feel about yourself. I think it's good if you look at yourself, but not too long because it can be very discouraging. And yet, if you let God look into your heart, then you, there's always hope. At least there's more hope because you can change. We can grow. And this is one I do not get an A in, I promise you. I hope I don't get an F in. I'm not sure. I'm sure I don't. Well, I know I've done a little bit better than that. Because self denial in, in, a, in, a, in a climate where Christendom has bought into the thought that everything is fun and pleasure is kind of a challenge because actually the Bible way isn't just always the life of fun and pleasure. It is the, doing the, the will of our Father, which I hope is our will. And it's a blessing when that uh, correlates together. So I just um, let us start here this morning by a text in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, verses 16 to 18. <clears throat> a lot of things said in the Sermon on the Mount, and I don't preach much from the Sermon on the Mount, and I think that's probably a weakness, because actually Jesus said things that he expected of us, and that we need, and uh, we need to be doing, and because it's, it's ways that we can keep in relationship, in a proper right relationship with him, where it says in Matthew 6, verse 16, it says, Moreover, when ye fast... Be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head, and wash thy face, that thou mayest appear unto men, not to me, unto men to fast, but unto the, thy Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. It's interesting how he talked about, he sort of talked like this is a done deal. So I'm assuming that he's saying his people, us today, will be uh, fasting. But he said, because he said, when you fast. So I want to look here at several different areas, the provision of it, and that's the starting here, the practice of it, and then the power of it, okay? And I won't always stay in that exact order, but that's basically what we're talking about. Because he says here, I don't know how you feel about fasting, uh, but I do know it's easy to have disfigured faces. I don't know if when you get real hungry if you're happy or not, but most of us are happier with a full stomach, and uh, that makes us smile more. But he said here, look, you know, you just look normal, okay? Because nowadays we don't anoint our head with oil, but he said, you know, don't put on an impression that you're, an impression that, don't put on an air that I'm doing something great, or to be impressed of me, because you have your reward, that's your only reward. Uh, the thought here says, you know, 
we need to be those kind of people. Uh, we've had some opportunities for that. And, uh, you know, CAM kept us up abreast pretty good about that hostage situation. They called for time, uh, days of times of fasting. How many of you fasted over that time? Go ahead and raise your hand up. God bless you. It's more than a few. God bless you. Because I think if that wasn't a burden on your heart, then I don't think we're looking at things the way God looks at them. Okay? And so I'm really I'm glad to see that because I think God respects his people. And he didn't say this. But he did say it after he leaves. Especially in the latter days. To know they need the will of God. They know they need direction. And they need the empowerment of God in their lives. And so it's interesting to note that even Jesus, when he began his earthly ministry, and when it's the very start, the Son of God was led out in the wilderness, and he didn't have an inauguration service. Or did he? It was a different one than our the presidents want, by the way, where it says in Matthew 4, verses 1 and 2, Then was Jesus led up into the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was in afterward hunger. <clears throat> That's how Jesus started his ministry. I never thought about this, but I wonder what would happen in the churches today if the, no, if the average minister was ordained, would you like Jesus? I think it would make a difference in our lives. So what is fasting? And you, you know, basically I'm not going to get into everything about it, but fasting is a laying aside of food for a period of time when the believer is seeking to know God in a deeper way or seek his guidance in a way more clear that God would affect a situation and or God affect the situation to bring about his will. Not my will, but his will, okay? It's very important. God can and has intervened in miraculous ways because of fasting. Can you attest to that? I sure can. It, I've been amazed of what that spiritual disciplines do. You know, there's a lot of spiritual disciplines, and I see this a prayer, I think, is a spiritual discipline. Because it's easy to go about our day and just be busy about mundane, earthly things, and forget that I need the Lord. And we all do. So prayer is reading your Bible is a spiritual discipline. How many of y'all go reading the Bible, plan to read the Bible through this year? How many plan to do that? Oh, that's beautiful. That's lovely. I think it's uh, more the majority of the members. That is one, I think that's a spiritual discipline. I also believe that the more we grasp the need of spiritual disciplines and enter into them and commit ourselves to keeping them, the more God can work in our lives and the work of our brotherhood. God bless you for that. I just want to commend you for that. that that's wonderful. Uh, for some of us, it takes a great deal of time. But then what is more important than God's time? You know, what is more important than time with God, in other words? I, I, and I think fasting is a spiritual discipline. At least I feel like, now maybe you don't have that love for food, and some people are different levels on that, but uh, so if it comes natural for you to skip meals, that's, that's great, that's wonderful, but you can skip meals and not have any spiritual benefit too, but I don't want to talk about the negative, we're talking about the positive, okay? Uh, 
So it's, it's a self-denial with a purpose and a goal. Fasting is not a ritual. And if it's done from that, uh, it, it, it should not be a ritual. And if it's done, but if it's done without a, with a heart of love for God and his people, God will bless it. Because of our relationship with God and our concerns for righteous living, it's the, our, our, our privilege of a Christian to fast. So the title of the message is The Privilege of Fasting. I think it's a privilege. Now, God wouldn't have had to give that opportunity for you, but he did. And because he, he wanted to say, if you have a, a burden, if you have a concern, or if you are in a dilemma, like, now that gets close, doesn't it? I mean, how far we have to go that we wasn't in a dilemma, or your church is in a dilemma, or your church is in a, a group is in a spiritual uh, crossroads. I will, I, I can affect things radically different if you are willing to fast. And that's, I think that's a privilege for him to say that. Uh, that's this wonderful privilege he has because it's spiritual warfare in a very real way. And I think that's why the devil tempts us not to fast and just to keep on uh, uh, not being willing to discipline that matter. Well, there's several types of fast. A normal fast, and it was called normal when I read. You know what a normal fast is? When Jesus fasted in Matthew 4, and afterward he was hungry, that meant he was abstained from all foods, all foods, but not from water. And uh, the physician in uh, Luke tells us in Luke 4, verse 2, being 40 days tempted of the devil, speaking of the same account in Matthew 4, and in those days he, Jesus, did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. He didn't say, never said he didn't drink, okay? And we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. So there's different stages in an extended fast. The first stage is marked by craving for food. <laughs> And that comes within hours for some of us. I don't know how long it is for you. After you miss a meal within hours, you have a sincere craving for food because your stomach is rumbling and saying, where is my food? At least by the next meal. And uh, it, so that's just uh, typical. And that can last for a good while, actually. Also, uh, if you go very long, it's very common to have a headache, a, a fasting headache. And that can be pretty uncomfortable I'll just say <laughs> but that's just the way it goes but don't be discouraged that's normal you're just normal if you get a headache and you have a craving you think I heard of uh, a lady years ago said she was fast she's gonna fast for one day and she said it got so bad after like 22 hours she didn't know if she could make it I think she on the 23rd hour I think she ate <laughs> and I thought god bless her uh Your mind seems to be constantly on food, and that was her problem. Get it off, okay? <laughs> Get it off of food. Be busy. Read the Bible. Be in spiritual warfare. Pray for those in need. Pray for yourself. Pray for the situation that calls for fasting. Be doing good. Keep busy, and get your mind off of food with God's help because it makes it way worse to be constantly thinking about that next meal, and it, it, the, the devil can almost drive you half 
It can just make you obsessed with food if you're not careful. Uh, don't shun the presence of food. Now, the Bible doesn't say this. I'm just saying some things I think has helped me. Just don't eat it. And it's good. The victory is always sweeter when the cost is high. In other words, you know, to me, to, to lead, and I've fasted many a time around the family, I, I, I just, I don't leave the table and go in the closet. I mean, it's easy to be, but let me tell you, I, I just think God really blesses you, and you sit there and you smell that food, and, uh, and whatever's happening, you know, and your appetite's still there, and you just, you're, you're not saying a word. And I, what I've been kind of amazed numerous times the family don't even notice that you're not eating you know there's a plate set there and it's just empty and they're talking and they're having a good time and they don't even notice it that, that's great because we, we don't do it to be noticed of men in other words we do it because God has called us the second stage is marked by a feeling of weakness and faintness uh, that may last two or three days and that can come pretty quick actually that can come after a day or two that we're talking about the normal long term fast and then gradually after several days there's a disappearance of the sense of weakness and the body has eliminated some of the toxins and poisons and stuff in these two and the food is, has very little appeal that's after a couple days how many of you have got past that in the last year past that stage that is tough <laughs> I, I got past that several times in my life, and that's when, actually, a lot of times, I'll just be honest, when you go a one-day fast, which is what I do a lot, or more often, you don't even get to the good part. The good part is, I'll just tell you what it is, when you can sit beside food and you actually don't even want it. Not that you're sick and it's not repulsive, but... It, after several days, that you can sit there and you don't even have a craving desire. Your stomach isn't even rumbling, and you feel good. Your mind is clear, clearer than it is with food. This happens. This can happen. If you've never been there, it's a blessing to get there. I'll just put it that way. It's a blessing to get there. But it's tough because you've got to go several days into a fast to get here, at least for normal mankind. That don't happen real quickly, but after several days, you can get to the miraculous position. <laughs> I call it miraculous because it won't happen any otherwise unless you're just sick as whatever. That you will get there and you'll sit there and you won't even really crave that food. Your stomach isn't grumbling. And you feel strong. You feel healthy. You don't feel like, you know, like you do when you miss one meal. You kind of feel fatigue. You know, when you, when you miss days, now one feels that they can fast indefinitely. That might be what they're thinking, but that's not true. Uh, the termination of this final stage is marked when the beginning of hunger pangs are showing, and it's showing that the process of, uh, that you've used up all the unnecessary baggage, maybe not all, but a good bit of it, and, you're start, and your body's starting to uh, use up living tissue. If, uh, if you work, this can happen as early as 21 days or earlier, may I add. But if you don't work much, if your physical work, you can go 40 days. And that's what Jesus went, 40 days. Have any of you ever got to the end of that where you fasted and you got hungry? Have any of you ever got there? Okay. Well, that is a challenge. 
I, I, I haven't been there many times in my life, only a couple. But I'm telling you, if you work, and I guess I am a farmer, it didn't take 21 days for me. I, you know, I'll just be honest, in my mind, things got really blurry. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. But I tell you, between about day three and that end, it's amazing. It is amazing. Do you like cross-bearing? Do you like cross-bearing? This is part of it. This is part of it. Well, there's an absolute fast <clears throat> and a few examples in Scripture and that it's normally not more than three days, probably because any period longer that would be physically injur injurious. You know, when God finally got through to Paul on the Damascus Road, Paul responded in humility by saying, I'm going to read a few verses from Acts 9, verses 6 to 9. And this is upon Damascus Road. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood, speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And saw a rose from the earth. And when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. And they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. That'd be, I tell you, that'd be amazing. Now, eat, this is what you call an absolute fast. How many of you went on an absolute fast? No eat, no food, or water. I don't know. You that. You know, now I see it's the thing to drink a quart of water before you eat breakfast or whatever it is, you'd be healthy. You know, this would really, I'm telling you, this is amazing. God does amazing things when we're willing to ne neglect the passions of the body. Uh, there was another, there was a, that was an absolute fast. And uh, another one was, and the conditions are brought up in Ezra 10, verse 6, where it says, and... Then Ezra rose up and before the Lord, before the house of God, and went into the chamber of Jonathan, the son of Elishahib. And when he came hither, he did not eat bread nor drink water. For he mourned because of the transgression of them that had been carried away. So uh, he was overcome when he thought about the transgressions of the Jewish people before God, he was, he was grieved so much that he didn't want to eat or drink for, three, for, for, for days. And, and that is one of, the, one of the good reasons to have a fast is when, when you see things that burden you. And friends, are, I don't want to get you... Uh, focused on things that you don't need to focus on, but there is some things that could burden a Christian today. There is some things. If you care about righteousness and holiness, uh, there are some things that could really concern you. The results are said a few verses later in Ezra 10. So he fasted, did a complete fast, and the results was in Ezra 10, verses 10 to 12, and said, And Ezra the priest stood up and said unto them, Ye have transgressed and have taken strange wives to increase the trespass of Israel. Now therefore make confession to the Lord God of your fathers, and do his pleasure, and separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the strange wives. Then all the congregation answered and said with a loud voice, As thou hast said, so 
must we do? So because of his fast, the people was willing to, to ch- repent of taking heathen women as their wives and was willing to repent and separate from them. That was no, that was no small thing. That was no small matter. That was, in fact, I'm sure in their lives that was earth-shaking. It was a miracle before God. So here we see an absolute fast the second time and also some of the reasons for the fast. And God blessed. God led through those situations. So this need to see surrounding conditions and a need for action did not go unnoticed by Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, mind you, who wrote an address to the, to the nation that you live in during the Civil War that was at least as important as the Gettysburg Address, and you never hear much about it. It was a proclamation for a national fast day. Did you know that? That the nation you live in had a proclamation of a national fast day by which he designated Thursday, the 30th day of April, 1863, as a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer. We could use a few in this year, couldn't we? You think God would be pleased? I think he'd be very pleased, actually. Lincoln wrote, It is the duty, and this is Abraham Lincoln, the duty of nations as well as, uh, as, well as of men of their own depend. Let me start again. It is the duty of nations as well as men to own their dependency, uh, dependence upon the overruling power of God to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with a short hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon. That was the president of the U.S. of A. I'll skip a paragraph, and he writes further. I, I just am amazed at his description of then and how it relates to things that are happening now. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become self-sufficient to feel the necessity, too proud to pray to God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power to confess our sins and pray for clemency and forgiveness. Well, that'd be, that would be quite uh, bold of an Anabaptist preacher. <laughs> Almost as, that was the president of the U.S. of A. Well, there was a need for fasting in Lincoln's day. And I wonder if there still isn't as much need. May I maybe even add more need to fast today. Another absolute fast was in um, Esther 4. You remember that one, don't you? Where it says, verse 16, go... Gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me. And neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. And I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. That's so beautiful to realize that the queen, a person of the person that was actually privileged to the best of the land, 
the best of the land, said, I'm going to withhold my bodily cravings and necessities, because I call them water necessity and food isn't, for three days, not for, and because I want God to intervene in this dire situation. So one person called a whole nation to fast, and God intervened. Because the nation, I think, fasted with her. That's wonderful. <clears throat> okay, a partial fast. We'll look at another one. The third kind is a partial fast. And it's a restriction of diet, restriction of diet rather than complete abstinence. In Daniel 1.8, he said, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defy himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he would not defile himself. So they re resolved to eating rather than the best of the land, which we, we got a good idea what that could be, or at least what we think it is today, and was willing to have pulse or vegetable soup or whatever it may have been called for them for a simple diet for a limited time. Now, that is, that is a fast. That's a partial fast, and I think that's one that uh, our flesh like, enjoys more or can appreciate more. With what result? And Daniel 5, uh, 1, 15 says, At the end of ten days their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Do you know why? Because he's willing to discipline themselves in, in what it was a fairly impressive way. And God blessed them for that. And God showed favor to them. Well, later, Paul, uh, Daniel fasted in a partial way again in now. Daniel 10, verses 2 and 3, where it says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And we really don't know why that he engaged, that he did not engage in a normal fast. We don't know why. And yet he did, uh, uh, but undoubtedly he saw something, uh, that concerned him, and he was willing to seek God on a restricted diet. And the results were great spiritual victory over the powers of darkness, as well as the unfolding of a vision by an angelic messenger. Now, you know, we, we like, we need to know the will of God. And yet, and I know God wants to reveal his will to you and to us as his children. But sometimes he might be asking us, how badly do you want to know my will? He might be asking us that. And, and, and I think when, you, when a person feels that they are not discovering the will of God, which sometimes we feel. Maybe you don't have that problem. Maybe I feel that. I believe God says, what will you give up to know, to know me? What will you give up to discern my will? What will you give up? And sometimes he's going to say, your food, your food. Well, today, that could be all kinds of different things. Some people would just say just a regular first course and no seconds and no desserts. That would be a restriction for some people. That would be what a challenge. And, uh, and I know it's kind of, I see another one, this intermittent fast. That where you eat, don't eat for like 16 hours, and then you can eat for eight. And 
what the, one of the big challenges there is that you don't eat in eight hours what you should eat in 24 hours. Uh, I've seen people, I've been tempted up. Well, that's a huge challenge. I mean, when you come off and you haven't ate for hours on end, it's easy to uh, eat heartily as you come back. It's very easy, but it's not right, okay? And that, some people go for intermittent fast. In fact, I was looking up, and there, it, 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 there is tremendous blessings in fasting, physical blessings. There is tremendous physical blessings. There's also, uh, I do realize and recognize for some, uh, certain types of fasting does not work. And I, I, God knows I'm not going to excuse anybody, but I, I want to let you know I understand that. Some people say, well, I just can't fast for three days. Well, I'm not saying you should. Uh, I'm just saying you should do what God calls you to do, what God wants you to do, because that's, that's what makes it important. And so, but I think discipline our physical appetites it is a healthy spiritual exercise. I think God sees it that way. And so you can admit one meal a day or two meals a day, and that's good. But you don't, another thing, you don't just do this for uh, weight control, okay? <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, it, it does have that blessed advantage of weight control. And yet the time is, if, if you aren't, if you're, when you're burdened, if it should bring us to a depth of prayer and spiritual desires and understands of walking with the Lord to a new level. In other words, that extra time, make sure it's focused on God and godliness and righteousness, not just, um, well, this is, brings me out to a good end physically. We got to also notice <clears throat> that the biblical fasting was public as well as private. I think it's good either way. I think it is excellent for a church, and we've done this here years ago, when certain things come up and say, look, we're going to call a fast for the whole church. That is just fine. That is just fine. And everybody can do it their own way. And yet, you know, the amount or how long it is. And I think, because I think what the CAN did was excellent. I think it was excellent. In fact, I wouldn't be, I don't know what happened in the portals of heaven, but I don't question that fasting made a difference in the results of what happened in the hostage situation. I don't even question it. You know, this is all miraculous. That wasn't coincidental. There was thousands and thousands of people fasting over certain times. You know what? Imagine what that did for God. Imagine what that does if a body of believers like us are concerned and burdened about a certain issue that we would all fast, that, that would be a wonderful. And that's what God would want. And, and so the blessing of fasting. <clears throat> so it's just not just an outside physical expression, and that it, but it's also something that happens in the heart. So we want to go back and look at the classic basic start. No, it's not the first one at all by... But the classic passage on fasting, uh-uh. Isaiah 8. Isaiah 8. May I add a 5 before 8? Isaiah 58, excuse me. I didn't read that correctly. Isaiah 58, verses 3 and 4, where it says, Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast, 
Ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate and smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. In other words, they were doing it for show. There was, there was a problem, but they were doing it for show. You know, I tell you, you don't fast every Tuesday like I do. The scribes and Pharisees did that in the New Testament. Um, but he's saying, heaven responds to you. If you're just doing it for your pleasure, you're just doing it to look good, you show your piety, you've got your reward, he's saying. Now let's look at verse 5 and 6. Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? It is to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him. Wilt thou call this a fast, an acceptable day of the Lord? Is not this the fast which I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to, le and to let the oppressed go free, that ye may break every yoke? He said, you know, when you get spiritually burdened, and you don't just put on sackcloth and ashes. You fast before God because of your need. You're, you need God to intervene in your life or in your circumstances or in the church at large. Something's going wrong. He said, that is my chosen fast. That is the way you fast. He said, uh, you know, you, you do it from the heart. You do it because it's initiated by God. It's not just something we've chosen. But it can be initiated by God through another person. Because Esther did it that way, and it works out well. C.A.M. did it that way, and it worked out well. And I think God blesses through those, uh, those times. Because it's a concern and burdens. I think sometimes it is easy kind of for us as believers to know, well, God will work through this. God is in control, and he is. I praise God for that. But maybe it could be that God was to intervene in some some situations in your life or in the church at large, if we as a collective body would fast together, we could see we we could see we could see amazing miracles if we're willing to do that. And I think God sees it different. God sees it from that perspective, and I think God expects us as Christians to have the cross bearing to this level where this is the way we view concerns. Okay, the early church fasted in Acts 12, verses 2 and 3, and they administered to the Lord and Acts 13, verses 2 and 3, and fasted. And the Holy Ghost said, Separate me and Barnabas and Saul unto the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. They got their direction on what to do and how to do it by prayer and fasting. I tell you what, friends, what worked in the early church works in the later church. It always has and always. What worked for in the early church works for the latter-day church. Acts 14, 23 says, and when they laid, and when they had ordained them elders in every church, and they had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And so they prayed and fasted, and they got their sense of direction whenever there's important church work to do. And I think there's a lot of important church work still to be done if God tarries. When there's ever was important, seemed like important church work to do, there was prayer and fasting. You know, there's some big battles ahead for us. In fact, I think we're facing some now. 
And God's saying, how, how are we going to do? In Matthew 17, 21, Jesus said, how bad this kind goeth out, not out, but by prayer and fasting. Mm-mm. He was speaking of demon possession. The disciples tried to do, but Jesus challenged them. If you just have a faith of a grain of mustard seed, you know what? Things would be different. But he said, look, it takes an act, a level of cross-bearing and self-discipline that is not easily most comfortable for just anybody. Disciples couldn't do it, but look, when it comes out to major warfare, it's obvious what Jesus expected. Prayer and fasting, what he expected. So, how is it with us? Do we have concerns? Uh, do we care? Do we want God to intervene in a real way? Are we humble enough? Do we love God enough? We'll read a few uh, descriptions of people and then I want you to answer about who did this they fasted on mountains on Sinai's mountain with radiant face to intercede for heaven's grace upon a stubborn wayward race he fasted who was that correct okay this is 20 and down years old and down once lifted from the miry clay when oppression came his way, this soldier king would often pray with fasting. Who was it? You know? Who was that? David. David, yeah. That was supposed to be 20 and down, but we'll include you, Brother Jonathan. <laughs> okay. okay, let's see. I'll, 20 and down again. A seer possessed a vision clean who told the troubled king his dream, had sight on God's prophetic Scheme through fasting. I already talked about him. Who was it? What's this? Correct. Okay, anyone. <laughs> the prophetess in temple court beheld the babe the two had brought. For him, she longed and prayed and sought with fasting. That's right. Anna is correct. Uh, that was a suggestion. <laughs> now, there isn't very, I'm looking here, there isn't very many people 20 and down, though. I'm just seeing that here. Maybe we ought to go 25 years old and down to answer this one, okay? He came to break the yoke of sin, but ere his mission could begin, he met the foe and conquered him with fasting. Yes, exactly. You started with Jesus because he's a perfect example. Shall, so shall they fast when I am gone. Was this no word to act upon? As countless saints who fought in one with fasting. That's me, but you, okay. You know, he goes on to say, what shall we say on that great day and give account? When shall, what shall we say if he should ask us, did you pray with fasting? Matthew 9, 15 says, 
And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come, and we're living in them, when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then they shall fast. The New King James says, and then they will fast. God bless you in enjoying cross-bearing. We have plenty of privileges to tap in to the will of God with fasting. God bless you.